Amen. Greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Romans 5 and 7 says, For scarcely, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. Some would even dare to die. You know, I've thought about these scriptures over the last week or two and, and how apt, how apt they are for today for the times in which we're living in now. When we see, when we see what's happening across our world today, especially what's happening in the Ukraine and with that war with Russia, on the murder and the death and the injury and destruction it's causing right across the country. And who knows, friends, who knows when it's going to stop? Who knows how it's going to end? I mean, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. But could this be the prelude to something more devastating down the line? I don't know, friends. I'm just throwing it out there. Could it? But you know, over this last week or two, since this war has erupted, it seems every time you, you turn on your TV or you listen to your radio, and friends, I'm not criticizing here tonight, not for one minute. And in fact, it's commendable. But every time you seem to turn on your, your TV or listen to your radio, all you seem to hear People saying, young men and young women, older men and older women, expressing their love for their country. And how they would die. How they would die for their country. How they would die for their families. And how they would die for their friends. And, and you know, that's commendable. It's commendable. But you know something tonight, friends? It's a rare thing. It's a rare thing that a man or a woman would die for someone else. It's a rare thing that someone would lay down their life for the sake of another or others. What did our reading say in Romans 5 and 7? For scarcely, for scarcely for a righteous man will one day yet peradventure for a good man some, some, some friends would even dare to die. And you know that word scarcely means with difficulty, with great difficulty, an event which cannot be expected to occur often. That a man would be willing to die for someone else. One commentator said, it's an unusual occurrence, an event which is all that we can hope for from the highest human benevolence and the purest friendship that one would be willing to die for a good man. Friends, no one would die for a bad man. No one would die for an evil man. One who was seeking to do us injury. One who was seeking to do us harm. One who was seeking to ruin our character and destroy our happiness and, and destroy our family. No one would die for that man. Would they? Would they? But maybe, maybe, just maybe, some would even dare to die for a good man. 
Just maybe. And you know, down throughout the ages of time, there have been instances, albeit rare, that men have given their lives for the sake of others. The ultimate sacrifice. It's the ultimate sacrifice. No greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. No higher expression of love could be given. Friends, hear me tonight. Life is the most valuable possession that we can have. Forget about your gold. Forget about your silver. Forget about your rubies. Forget about your diamonds. Friends, forget about the millions that you've got in your bank. Forget about your million pound house. Forget about your big luxury car. Friends, the most valuable thing that any man or woman can possess tonight is their life. It's your life. Margaret, it's your life. Patricia, it's your life. It's your life. And when a man is willing to lay down that life for his friends or country, it shows the utmost extent of his love. Of his love. And down through the ages of time, men, there have been men, there have been women who have sacrificed their lives for others. Let me tell you of a few of them. John Robert Fox was an artillery officer in the U.S. Army during the Second World War. And he earned himself a, the, the posthumous Medal of Honor, that's the highest Medal of Honor that you can receive in the United States. He earned himself that for the sacrifice that he made one December day in 1944. With his unit, Fox found himself fighting the Nazis in Italy. He was tasked to stay behind in a small village called Tuscany. The village was overrun by the Nazis and the Americans, they were in retreat. This man, Fox, found a house to hide in. And from the second floor, he used his radio to contact his colleagues. He called for artillery fire to be directed at the village in order to give the U.S. forces time to retreat and to regroup and launch a counterattack. He even ordered a barrage of fire on his exact position. The gunner who took the message pointed this out to him, assuming it must be a mistake, but Fox, however, simply says, fire, fire it, for there's more of them than there is of us. And you know, friends, Fox's act of sacrifice was not in vain. For you see, the artillery, artillery barrage did take place, and it gave his comrades chance to regroup and launched a successful counterattack. And when the U.S. Army entered that village, they found the dead body of Fox, surrounded by a hundred Germans, all dead. Truly, truly an act of sacrifice for his friends and his country. Alfred Vanderbilt, Alfred Vanderbilt was one of the world's richest men in 1915. In May of that same year, he was traveling first class on the luxury liner, the Lusitania. I was traveling from New York to England. But on the morning of the 7th of May, the Lusitania was attacked by German U-boats off the, the coast of County Cork down in Southern Ireland. 
It soon became clear that, that the ship was going down. Vanderbilt was, as a first-class passenger, he was given the life jacket. He immediately gave it away. Then as the ship began to sink, he concerned himself with making sure that all the children, as many children as possible, could get into the lifeboats. Given his status and given what had happened on the Titanic not too many years before, he could easily have, have had a spot on the lifeboat and saved his own skin. But no, however, Vanderbilt was still trying to save others when the boat went under the waves. His body was never found. A reporter for the New York Times noted that he displayed gallantry. He displayed gallantry, which no words could ever describe. In May 1971, Michael G. Willis, Willits was serving in the British Army in Northern Ireland. And he was standing in a police station on the Springfield Road. When a car stopped outside the police station, a man in his mid-twenties got out of the car. He jumped out and he had a suitcase. And he threw the suitcase through the front doors of the police station. There was a bomb in it. Several civilians were sitting in, inside when the device was thrown in. Amongst them was a 27-year-old man, along with his young daughter and their neighbour and her four-year-old son. Immediately, Sergeant Willits, when he saw the suitcase, realised what was about to happen. He grabbed the two children, put them into a corner, and he shielded them. They say that he dived on top of the suitcase. And he took the full brunt of the explosion. He died two hours later on the operating theatre in the Royal Victoria Hospital, just a matter of yards down the road where the bomb explosion happened. He was the only one to die. There was 20 or 30 injured. He died saving men, women and children. You know, there's even a song about it. We used to sing it many years ago. My father used to sing it. My mother used to sing it about this man. Friends, they're all heroes. They're all heroes in their own right. Men who died for a cause. Men who died for the greater good. Men who died because they didn't want anybody else to die. Friends, we honor them. We salute them. And we give them the respect that they deserve. It's a rare thing. It's a rare thing that a man would lay down his life for others. No greater love than this than a man lay down his life for his friends. There's no greater expression of love than this than to give your life for someone else. No man can carry his love for his friend further than this. For when he gives his life, he gives his all. When he gives his life, he gives all. He gives all that he has. And you know, as this war starts to unfold in the Ukraine, 
I'm sure we're going to start hearing the stories. Stories of men and women who have laid down their lives, paid the ultimate sacrifice for the sake of family, for the sake of friends, and for the sake of country. But you know, if we flip that over, if we flip that over, you'll never hear of anyone, and I think I said it earlier on, you'll never hear of anyone willing to lay down their lives for their enemy. There's only one man. There's only one man that I know of who willingly laid down his life for his enemies. And that's the God man, Jesus Christ. Friends, hear me tonight. That's the God man, Jesus Christ. It's the basic fundamental of the gospel. It's the golden thread that runs from Genesis to Revelations and ties the whole word of God together. It's so simple that even a child can understand it. Christ died for sinners. Christ died for his enemies. Romans 5 and 8 says, But God, but God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 5 and 10 says, For if when we were enemies, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more than being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Romans 5 and 6 says, For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. That's me and you tonight, friend. We were ungodly in his sight. He died for the ungodly. Frank, can I tell you tonight, we were all at one time enemies of God. We were all enemies of God. How can I say that? Well, because the Bible says that we were all born into sin and shaping in iniquity. Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Friends, sin is the enemy of God. You hear that tonight? Sin is the enemy of God. And because we were born into sin, we are therefore enemies of God. Some may not like to hear that tonight, but that's the truth of God's word. There's no getting away with it. We were all born with that sin gene in us. So that makes us enemies of God. You know, that's not too often preached in many churches today because they don't want to offend. But friends, that's the truth of God. It's not my words, but it's his words. It's his words. And his word cannot lie. You and I, at one time or another, or maybe you still are, an enemy of God. An enemy of God. There's no getting away with it. There's no way to butter it up. Sin makes us the enemy of God. That's a fact. Friends, that's a fact. That's the way it is. And you know, friend, if you're here tonight and you have not repented of your sin, and ask the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and life. And friend, I'm sorry to say, you're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God. You may say that you're a good person. You may say that I've done nobody any harm. 
You may say, well, I would go out of my way to help everybody and anybody. You may even go to church once a week and throw some money into the offering basket. And friend, that's all good and commendable. But the truth of the matter is, if you have not turned from your sin and asked the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart, then respectfully tonight, friend, you're an enemy of God. You're an enemy of God. You're as much as an enemy of God as the man who curses and blasphemes God. You know, I know Brant and Lydia not mind me saying this tonight. But there was a man who came up to our outreach last Friday night in Belfast City Centre. And he began to remonstrate with Brent and Lyd about the gospel, about God, and about the word of God. And he started to get very angry and very abusive, especially towards Brent and Lydia. Eventually he stormed off down High Street in Belfast and I, as I watched him walking down that road, he started looking up to the sky and this is what he was, he was pointing up to the sky and shouting all manner of words which he would not want to hear up to God. Friends, God help him and God will help him. But can I tell you tonight, there's no difference between him and the religious man who maybe comes to the church the old Sunday and throws a few pounds in that offering basket. They are both enemies of God. You know, there's a man in the Bible called Nicodemus. He was a Pharisee. He was a ruler. He taught the, he taught the word of God. He taught the, 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 the word of God. He was a ruler of the Jews. He knew the word of God inside out. He lived it. But you know, he came to Jesus by night. And he wanted to know more about Jesus. He wanted to know more about, about the miracles Jesus was doing. But what was the first words Jesus said to him? Nicodemus, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom or cannot enter the kingdom of God. And you know, friends, basically what Jesus was saying to him was, Nicodemus, you may know the word of God inside out. You, you may even be able to teach it. But Nicodemus, all your righteousness is as filthy rags before me. It's all enmity before God. Nicodemus, if you want to enter the kingdom of God, then Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must put off the old and you must put on the new. Friend, you can do all the religious stuff in the world. But if you're not saved, and if you're not born again, then you're an enemy of God, and you will be refused entry into the kingdom of God. But you know, here's the good news. Amen? Here's the good news. The most beautiful thing about the God that we serve that although you may be his enemy, and although you have rejected his offer of mercy time after time after time after time, I want to tell you tonight, God still loves you. God still cares for you. Even though you are his enemy. Look at Paul the Apostle. At one time he was an enemy of God. He persecuted the people of God, even unto death. 
What does it say? He went about from city to city, putting men and women and children into jail and even killing them. You know, God could have wiped them out. God could have wiped them out. But no, God pursued them. It's God pursuing you tonight, friend. God pursued him. And God drew him to himself. And he became one of the greatest men in the New Testament. For you see, friends, God would have none to perish. None to perish. But that all would have everlasting life. John 3 and 16, probably the most well-known verse in all of the world. Probably the most quoted scripture of all, this, of all the scriptures. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Friends, this verse, this verse reveals the very heart and the very purpose of God. He held nothing back but he gave his only begotten son the darling of his bosom to die on a cruel cross for a world that hated him. God willingly gave his son as an offering for sin on the cross. He loved his creation so much that he gave them the most precious thing to him, his only begotten son. The apostle Paul says in Romans 8 and 32, he that spurred not his son, but delivered him up for us all. Friends, he spurred not his son. And you know what that phrase, he spurred not, it means this. It means he withheld not. He kept nothing back, but surrendered. Friends, surrendered his only son into the hands of sinful men, enemies of God, who took him and slew him on a tree. Friends, what love, what sacrifice the Father gave to the world he created. He gave his son for all men. Friends, hear me clearly tonight. He gave his son for all men, the good and the bad. No one is left out. Not even Putin. Not Hitler. No one's left out. You know, we may not be able to understand that tonight, but that's the God that we serve. That's the loving heart of God. He gave his son to die for all men. The good, the bad, the wicked, the evil, and even the ugly. He gave his son for all men. No one, friends, hear me very clearly tonight. No one is excluded. For God so loved the world. You can't go any further than that, the world, that he gave his only begotten son. No greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Christ not only laid it down for his, for his friends, but also for his enemies. He laid it down for those who spat in his face. He laid it down for those who plucked the hairs of his face. He laid it down for those who blindfolded him, those who mocked him, those who struck him, those who scourged him, those who beat him. He laid it down for those who pressed a crown of thorns into his head. He laid it down for him who stuck a spear in his side. And eventually they crucified him the most horrible of deaths. He took it all. Friends, he took it all and then he said, Father, Father, forgive them. 
Forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, one would have said, he made a prayer, Father, consume them. Consume them. But no, he prayed, Father, Father, forgive them. Forgive them, for they know not what they do. You know, as the song says, he could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and to come and to set him free. But no, he knew he had to go the way of the cross. He knew it was for love that he had to die for those who hated him. Amazing love, friends. Amazing love, what sacrifice. The Son of God given for me. My death he died and my death he paid so that I may go free. The just for the unjust, the, the innocent for the guilty. What love. What love. You know, friends, at one time, I was an enemy of God. I was a mocker. I was a scourger. I was a hater. I was a sinner. I was a sinner. No time for God, no thought of God, right up until the age of 25, 26. Never ever thought of God sending his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die on a cross for me. It meant absolutely nothing to me. Absolutely nothing. I thought all that was just for the religious people. You know those people who go to church on a Sunday and carry their Bibles? I thought all that was for them. But then whenever, whenever I was confronted with the gospel, whenever I was confronted with heaven, whenever I was confronted with hell, whenever I was told that Jesus, an innocent man, died for me, me, a reprobate from the streets of East Belfast, that a man would die for me, friends, it blew me away. It blew me away. That someone would willingly die for me, their enemy. I was God's enemy. I was an enemy of Jesus Christ. Friends, who am I? Who am I that a king would bleed and die for? Who am I that he would pray, not my will, but thine, Lord? The answer I may never know. Why he ever loved me so, but to an old rugged cross he would go for. Who am I? Who are you? Respectfully, friend, who are you? But who am I? Who am I? It was love. Friends, it was love that drove him to the cross. And it was love that held him on that cross. For God so loved the world. Friends, oh, what love. What boundless love the Father hath bestowed upon me. Oh, the love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It will forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. You know, Mr. Henry said this, Though many of the world of mankind perish, yet God's giving his only begotten Son was an instance was an instance of his love to the whole world because through him there's a general offer of life and salvation made to all. Isn't that marvelous? A general offer of life, friend. Life and salvation made to all. Unsaved person in this room tonight, you who are watching online, 
How much does he love you? He loves you that much. He loves you that much that he gave his life for you. No man took it away, but he willingly, friends, he willingly laid it down for you, for you, Brendan, for you, Brent, and for me. He hates the sin, but he loves the sinner. No greater love than this, than a man laid down his life for his friends. Oh, and by the way, and his enemies. And his enemies. Christ laid it down for saint and sinner alike. Friends, what love. What sacrifice. But you know the question here tonight is, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it, sinner friend, tonight? What are you going to do about this great love? Friends, there's a response needed tonight. There's a response needed to this great sacrifice of death. Christ didn't lay it down for himself, no, but he laid it down for you. He laid it down for me. so that you and I may not die and go to a lost eternity. Friends, I ask again, what is going to be your response to this? Are you just going to sit there and shrug your shoulder and say, ah, so what? So what? I didn't ask him to die. Friends, if that's what it is, then may God help you. May God have mercy upon your soul. Our friend, are you, going to, are you going to respond by embracing the cross? Are you going to respond by embracing the cross, embracing that death, and embracing the love that he shows towards you? Are you going to respond to turning to Christ and asking him into your heart as Lord and Savior? Friends, that's the proper response tonight. That's the proper response. What are you going to do, friend, tonight? What is going to be your response to this man who died for you? You know, I'll finish with this. The story is told of a, of a police officer on night duty somewhere in Belfast. Could have been Sunday Row. It could have been the Newtonards Road. It could have been the Shankill Road. I don't know. But as this police officer walked through the back dark streets of Belfast, he heard a quivering sob and shining his torch, his flashlight, into the dark night, he saw a little boy, a little boy sitting on the doorstep with tears running down his wee face. The child said to the police officer, I'm lost. I'm lost. Please take me home. I'd be glad to take you home, the officer responded. But where do you live? The little boy was so tired and scared that he couldn't remember his address. 
The police officer began to name street after street. Was it Douglas Street? Was it Frankfort Street? Was it Calvin Street? Was it Euston Street? What, what street was it, son? Trying to help the little boy to remember where he lived. He named shops. He named hotels in the area. But the little boy couldn't even give him a clue. Then he remembered that at the center of the town, there was a, a church with a large white cross on top of it. And it towered above all the rest of the buildings. The policeman pointed to the cross and said, Do you live anywhere near that, that place, that cross? And immediately the little boy's face lit up and he began to beam. He says, Yes, yes, I do, I do. Take me to the cross and I'll find my way home. Take me to the cross, friend, and I'll find my way home. Friends, hear me tonight. The way of the cross leads home. The way of the cross leads home. Friend, Jesus paid the ultimate sacrifice when he willingly laid down his life for you. So I ask again, what will be your response? What will be your response? Are you going to accept him? Or are you going to reject him? Friends, I'll tell you, Jesus rejects nobody. He rejects nobody. He accepts all who come to him. There's no rejection with the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, come on to me. Come on to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Friends, he rejects no one. If Putin gets on his knees and repents before God and asks the Lord Jesus Christ into his heart, then I tell you, Christ will save him. That may be hard for some people to take, but that's the truth. The Lord Jesus Christ will save him. Friends, the Bible says today, today, if you hear his voice, whose voice? God's voice. Do not harden your heart. Friends, today is the day of, that, of salvation. Will you make that decision tonight? Will you respond to Christ and come to him? Will you respond to his sacrificial death for you and come and follow him?